Oh, what a wonderful weekend of football. Uh, Labor Day Classic weekend. The unofficial start to the CFL season. It's football all weekend, sort of, kind of, except for the three teams that are on a bye week. But, man, did we watch some good football this weekend. We had the last second field goal in Saskatchewan. We had the comeback from behind win earlier today uh, where Hamilton came back and decided to play football in the second half to beat Toronto. But then then we ran into the good old Battle of Alberta Labor Day. And again, we watched our Edmonton Eskimos lose handily without a lot of effort to the Calgary Stampeders led by their you know, current MOP, Bo Levi Mitchell, who they're obviously saving for Labor Day, just, just to rub it into our wounds so that we could go eight straight years losing this game. And what a painful game it was. Uh, I remember when we started this podcast a mere four weeks ago, uh, Dave and I had spoke about the optimism of talking about a, an Edmonton team that was doing well, not starting off the podcast in, in the doldrums and beating ourselves our heads against the ground because of how poor our Edmonton team was doing. And in those four weeks, we beat Ottawa 16-12 to and eked one out. We beat Toronto handily 41-26. Then we lost to a backup quarter in Winnipeg 34-28 and that score makes Edmonton looks better than they were. And then today, 25-9 are three field goals that we got because, again, we can't get in the end zone. So we'll try to keep this somewhat positive. We'll try not to let this drag us down. And we'll see how that goes for this week's episode of the Asks YYC podcast. All right, everyone, welcome again. This is episode four of the Asks YYC podcast. Uh, as usual, every two weeks, we do a call in just to wrap up the game, and the, the weekend was at hand. So I'd like to welcome Dave, who's joining me on the line. How are you doing tonight, Dave? I'm doing all right, Jack. How are you doing? Oh, you know, it was a great long weekend, got some good football, got some time with, with the fiancé, enjoyed some nice weather, you know, some of the weather played, got really lucky, went out watched the Highland Games in Canmore yesterday, so, and, and we had an absolutely gorgeous day out there. So all in all, it was a great weekend. Uh, unfortunately, I had to watch a football game this afternoon. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy, like every year, I mean, I moved here in 2011 from Edmonton, which was the last year that the Esks won this stupid thing. And every year I go and every year I buy tickets and it's the same stupid result every single time. And you think by now I would learn my lesson and just watch it at home or just not watch it at all. But you, you mentioned this in the intro. There is this, this, there was this optimism this year, um, given where the two respective teams were that, you know, maybe, maybe something different would happen. Maybe there would be a, um, a change of fortunes for the asks, but man, this felt like so many other Labor Day games I've been to in the past decade. Um, just watching in person and just watching a, a really kind of lifeless effort from the from the asks. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to think at this point. Um, where do you want to start? I mean, there's lots that we can pick apart uh, from this game. Um, oh, we, yeah, we can have, unpack a lot. Um, I guess <clears throat> I guess what I want to start with is, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to the game this year. So I watched it at home. You, however, were down there with uh, with Graham as well. 
uh, taking right. in the festivities in, in person. So let's start with how did the game feel to you, um, specifically how the game started and how, when it got rolling, like, did, what was the, what was the, what was the atmosphere like? Was it a good time? Did you, good, did you have you a sense know, of dread really quickly or? <laughs> no, not, not at all. I, great weather, great atmosphere there. Uh, you know, we were up in section B with a lot of the, uh, the Esks fans that had, uh, made the drive down from Edmonton. And so, you know, little pockets of green and gold here and there, but uh, good crowd for the stamps um, and something that, you know, in a year where their attendance has been a little soft, um, you know, great to see their number. I believe it was like 32 grand, something like that. So um, good, loud, rowdy crowd. Um, as for the, as far as the, the game on the field, Man, it, I, I think, and Graham would agree with this, I, I think, because we were talking about this at the game. Um, the the turning point was that uh, that uh, return getting called back, and that was sort of the air out of the tires for the for the asks. And I didn't see a lot of didn't see a lot of energy from that team after that. Um, and there was just some weird play calling decisions um gable was was stuck in first gear for the vast majority of that game um and they didn't touch bo levi they didn't touch him at all um you know there was a there was a play in really late in the game in the fourth quarter where he uh he got hit from behind and i looked at graham and i said is that the first time he's been touched uh this entire game and uh and he said that in the the scrums after the game, he said, "Yeah, they only got to me once or twice." He gave the game ball to his O line, um, but uh, and and with good reason because he was he was untouched and he was looking comfortable. Uh, he wasn't tested in in any sort of significant way. Um, you know, they were that 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 first. I I don't know if it was the first or second drive where uh, for the stamps where it was like a 17 yard and then a 22 yard play and just these, you know, these average 20 yard plays that they're, they're marching downfield with. And you're thinking that's when the dread set in for me, um, watching them move the ball so efficiently and so easily you're thinking, okay, it's, this is, this is what always happens. This is, this is labor day. Um, the Eskimos are stuck in first gear and the stamps are marching. And that was kind of the, the story of the game. There wasn't a lot that I saw as far as adjustments that the Esks made at halftime. Um, there was a real reluctance to throw the ball downfield. Uh, I, I think honestly, Harris's first downfield pass was like with three minutes left in the game. Um, some, some weird play calling choices, yeah, it's just there's there's a lot to dislike from what we saw with the Esks today. Um, you know that that was my view from the seats. How how did it look on on TV from the uh, from the comfort of your couch this afternoon? Uh, very very similar. Um, I've taken some notes through the game and by about oh I don't know twenty seconds into the second half, I stopped taking notes because it was all the same stuff. I mean, yeah, the, the typical the slow start. Uh, the battle, the, the field position battle right out of the gate was, uh, was it was horrendous. I mean, they're sitting there punting from their from their end zone, you know, giving yeah. the, the Stampeders the ball on the the fifty, and 
I thought, I was hoping when they missed that field goal and it was 6-3 still, I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's a chink in the armor. Like, right. maybe maybe we can do this. But too many quick, too many two and outs or one first down and then out, and the defense was constantly on their heels. And that, you're, you're absolutely right. Watching that O-line today for, for Calgary was something kind of special. I mean, anytime there was even a hint of pressure from a one of the defensive, uh, the defensive linemen getting in there, they always seemed to have an extra person to step in and help. It yeah. almost seemed like the offensive line was playing with an extra player. Is almost what it seemed like for a lot of the games. So, huge credit to the the offensive line and the offensive scheme. And let's let's be let's be honest. We ran into the Levi Mitchell coming off injury, who's probably could have been off injury three weeks ago, but he got basically three weeks of rest to make sure that that, that peck injury was gone. So he came yeah. up flying. Like, like he, yeah. he, there was, there was no, very, no very rush. comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he looked yeah. very, very comfortable. He had, he had a, an O-line that again, didn't let him get touched, which, I mean, if the S's were going to win that game, that's how they were going to do it. And it, it wasn't through any sort of offensive fireworks. It was going to be through, harassing Bo Levi Mitchell and making him think twice about what he was doing on the field, especially as a guy recovering from injury. Um, he looked, he looked 100%. He, he, I, I didn't see any sort of, you know, you're sort of looking for signs of, of, of rust or of, you know, potential injury or, or, you know, favoring, you know, favoring the throwing arm or things like that nothing like that he was he was on top of his game and you know he becomes if he's going to be like that for the rest of the year he becomes the best QB in the league right now you know with 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 what's happening with uh, with Riley out in BC um I mean Bo Levi that's that's MOP form you know the the game that he played today having an O-line like that makes it way easier for him but you know what uh he looked he looked fantastic. Um, Trevor Harris says this. Yeah, what did you think of Harris's game? Because I'm curious to, to know what what you uh, you saw from from the way he was making his reads and and the decisions that he was making. Because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, before I, I give you my thoughts, I'm curious to know what you thought about him. I I don't think he was making his reads. Yeah. Um, there was too many of those passes where he'd had his hip set where he was going as soon as he got the ball. Uh, he telegraphed a lot of the passes. He wasn't moving his feet. And there was a number of plays where he was forcing a ball, and you're like, did you look at the rest of your reads? Because he couldn't have, because there was somebody open. Yeah. And I, I just either, because of the early pressure in the first quarter, throwing that interception early, if that's rattled him that he was just, okay, that's the guy that should be open. I'm throwing to him. I don't know, but yeah, he really stopped making his reads. He really stopped managing his time that he had in the pocket to make an effective pass. Um, whether it's down the field, because we didn't start seeing a long ball until like the midway through the fourth quarter. Yeah. Even, even later than that, like three minutes left in the game. You know, and, and even even then on those last drives, we're we're watching this thing and we're thinking, show a little bit of urgency, you know, as far as the decisions you're making and the, the, the plays that are getting called. It, it was very um it was very just 
calm and relaxed given the game situation. You know, you were hoping that you'd see, you know, and, and not going for it on third and three there too was, was a decision that, you know, we were kind of scratching our heads on up in the stands. Um, there didn't see a lot, didn't seem to be a lot of urgency from, from the Esks uh, in in many facets of the game, um, as as far as the way the game was was plotted out and the way the game was, um, you know, the way the players performed, it, it, it was a weirdly, strangely lackadaisical performance from the Esks. And given you know Labor Day, um, that's not what I expected. No, it's it's the game where you, you expect it doesn't matter who's which Labor Day classic game we're talking about, you expect the teams to step up and and have that sense of urgency and want to beat their their rivals. And yeah, you just you didn't see it from Edmonton. And and it's so funny how it that seems to be a reoccurring thing for this game year after year now. Where Edmonton rolls into Calgary and it's almost like even though it's like a new team, new quarterback, the coaches are new, it's almost like the sense of, yeah, we're not going to win this, so let's just go play football, I guess. But mm-hmm. they don't they don't seem to have that that fire in them. And, and to the Stampeders' credit, they did right off the, the first snap of the ball. They were they they, sh- they were showing that they were there to play. Right. And well, it's, Edmonton, I mean, it's, they were just flat. Yeah, and it's I mean it's Labor Day, you know, it's like you 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 know that they're going to be amped up. It's loud. You got the, the fighter jets, uh, you know, uh, flying overhead. You've got um, probably their best crowd of the season so far, as far as um, attendance goes, you know that you are going into a hostile environment and there wasn't any, it didn't feel like there was enough done to sort of counter that as far as, um, you know, maybe creative, risk-taking play calling almost it was a very safe um opening opening half for the asks i thought as far as some of the decisions that were being made um and i do think in a game like this um you've got to try and take some risks um because otherwise you can you can get sort of lulled to sleep and um and and if that's the case, you're always going to get beaten in an environment like that. You know, it's 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 too it's too loud, it's too noisy. The other team's too amped up. Um, you know, it, it was a yeah, it was just a weirdly safe, um, passive game from the Esks, and and that's disappointing to see as a fan. You know, you want um, you want that energy and that urgency, and it just didn't feel like it was there from. Um, you know, and, and you know, maybe you want some scrums after the uh, after the whistles. You know, maybe you want some some pushing and shoving. And there was a little bit of that early on, but it didn't feel like. Yeah, I, I I don't know how to describe it other than I wish there was a little more urgency to to what I saw. You know, as someone up in the stands um, from what I saw from the Esks, and it was a really safe, passive game. And it was, and it was right from the first the first plays of the game. Um, yeah. We've talked about this with, with the Eskimos a few times this year now, where that urgency is not there, that risk-taking is not there, that creativity and the play-calling is not there. And there, there was plays where they, they lined up, and the, the Calgary defense knew exactly what they were going to do. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. 
turn and hand off to Gable a couple times and there was two black jerseys there. Yeah. And you're like, okay, if that's happening, where's the, where's the adjustment from the sideline to call in something different or create something that allows the, the field to open up? Because it, it really felt like the Eskimos were playing sideline to sideline no more than 10 to 15 yards out from line, line scrimmage the entire game. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it's like the rest of the field didn't exist. They're playing in a phone booth. Uh, for yeah. lack of a better term, it was just, it was just such a, it, it, like he wanted to take a stick and just poke them. It's like, are you alive? Are you breathing? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You got a pulse in there? Cause yeah. And, and it, it concerns me because it was almost exactly what we saw against Winnipeg the week before, mm-hmm. you know, where we, we run into Strebler and, and Harris and it's like, guys, Strebler can't throw the ball. He's going to run. Right, but there was no. You didn't see that. You didn't see the adjustments made to make up for that. So, if you're not making those adjustments, and you can't always wait for half time for those adjustments, you need to be able to make those adjustments on the fly. And the better teams seem to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's where I start to really, you know, I start to question the way the coaching staff is working for the Eskimos because we're not seeing. You know, it's almost like what we're seeing in BC where there's, they're not making adjustments. It's the same thing week to week. And we're starting to see that really creep in on, on the Eskimos. And when they run into a team like Toronto or, or you know, any of the, like the, the Ottawa's, the Toronto's, and the Montreal's where we've had, in BC where we've had success, well, those teams are just, they just don't have the level of talent. So we win. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As soon as we run into someone that, that's playing the game at a, at a high level as well, like we're supposed to be, or that our record used to show, we 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 obviously aren't playing at that level. So I'm wondering yeah. if moving forward, and I saw this on Twitter today, is if if there was actually someone available, and that's the problem, there isn't. I think there'd be a coaching change, whether it it's an offensive like coach. Yeah. You know, maybe not the head coach, maybe not Moss right away, but definitely like an offensive coordinator or something to bring something. Because I think a lot of the talent is there, but it's it's not being utilized properly. And yeah, and, and, and I was seeing the same sort of commentary on Twitter too. You know, you're scrolling through during the game and you're you're trying to get a read on, on what other people are seeing and, and feeling and thinking about the game, you know, when you're there in the moment, because, you know, being there live is great, but you do, you do miss a lot of the context for a lot of what you're seeing um, as opposed to sort of watching the broadcast. And that thought crossed my mind too. It's, it's, you know, how, how many times do you, do, you know, definition of insanity, right? You know, how often do you have to do the same thing over and over again before you realize that it doesn't work? And, you know, I, I did not see a football team out there that, that was, you know, that was going to win by out-preparing the Stamps. You know, that that's, Stamps are going to beat you every time if if, if you are, unable to adjust and unable to sort of understand why what you're doing isn't working. And, and if you're unable to, to think of other ways to deploy the tools that you have in your toolbox, um, you know, the, the, the lack of a, and I go back to this, the lack of any sort of deep attempt at any point in the first half in the first three quarters 
was was stunning, you know. Um, especially once you get into this rhythm of two and out, two and out, two and out. Um, you know, take some risks. My God, like. It, it, well, you have to spread. Like, you have to spread the defense somehow. Exactly. And you're not yeah. going to do it on 15 and 10 yard passes. You need to throw out some 25 or 30 or 40 yard passes to, yeah, to create if you that don't have space. A, especially if you don't have a run game happening, um, which, I mean, Graham looked it up at one point in the game and, and Gable was averaging like two point something yards a carry. Um, you know, if, if you, if you're missing those dimensions in your game, you have to try and find other options and opportunities. And it just, it wasn't there for the asks. And I look at this team now and I think, you know, you were talking earlier about the level of optimism that the, um, that we were, we had, you know, as we sort of fired up this podcast and I'm looking at this team right now and it's, it's, there's something missing and, you know, they may still cross over and be okay. But this is a team that right now looks like fourth place in the West. And I, I can't, I can't say that they're better than the state. Well, they're definitely not better than the stamps. Um, a, a fulsome bomber squad. I can't say that they're better than, um, you've got the riders winning six straight kind of quietly as quietly as you can win six straight in this league. They've yeah. done it. Um, yeah. and, and I, I don't see the killer instinct from this team. I don't see the flexibility from this team as far as, um, you know, adjustments or, or, or giving teams different looks. Um, I just, it, it's not, it's not there for this team. And, and, you're right. The coaching is, is one of the things that comes up as far as maybe that's, maybe that's what we're looking at. Maybe that's, that's a, a source of the issue. Um, it's, 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 it's frustrating to watch, man. I, like, I, I, as I said, you know, going to this game, you know, seven, eight straight years, whatever, and, and seeing the same type of thing happening year after year after year where they just get ground down and by the you know by the you said you stopped taking notes i mean i was thinking okay at what point do we leave you know at what point do we go and catch the train um because there are some games and and some teams where you you think okay well you've got x amount of time on the clock and you've got two you know you know two converted or, or or two point conversion touchdowns and if you do this then this could happen and blah 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 and you looked at that 16-point deficit for the Esks today, and you thought, no, it's not happening. There's, there's nothing, unless they have something that they've been keeping in their back pocket for the last five minutes of the game, which would be stupid to begin with. Um, there was nothing coming from that team, um, which is just, you, you, you slump your shoulders and you go, okay, well, I guess we'll wait till next year and watch them lose the next one. But uh, yeah, eight straight labor days now. Right. So it's, um, it's frustrating. It's really, really frustrating. It is because you, you watch, you'll, you'll watch a set of downs and you're like, Oh, okay. Keep doing that. And then mm-hmm. you don't. Yeah. And then when a bit of adversity, adversity comes, we don't see a change in how they're playing. They keep, throwing the short ball or the check downs or this wide outs. And that doesn't win your football games in the CFL. I mean, those are the, like, that's your, oh my God, I, I, okay, I got to get rid of the ball play, but not, 
watching Harris today, it's like he gets the ball, he takes his three steps back. The tips are already turned and he's throwing it to the left side for a short little pass out to, you know, out to Gable or to Bataya Jai, you know, just, just a little pass, you know. I yeah, don't, five yards. I don't think I, yeah. I don't remember the last time. I don't think I've seen this season how many Ricky Collins catching that many passes that were like five yards, yeah, instead of like his fifteen or twenty yards. And you know, if 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 you can't get uh, Collins and you can't get Daniels down the field catching the ball, then we have a problem. You're not going to get the, the yardage needed. And like you said, by the fourth quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. It was what thirty seconds in. It went up to twenty-five nine. You're like, it done. Game's over. Yeah. I mean, eighteen nine. You're like, oh, you know what? That can happen. But then twenty-five nine. You're like, no. The Stampeders aren't going to give up that many points in the fourth quarter. It's just not going to happen. So here's so a question I, for you. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, I was, you know, one, one of the things that we were noticing again up in the stands at, at in like row seventy or whatever the hell we were at. Um, it felt like the the esks were a little more passive as far as um, aggression than I've seen from them this year. You know, uh, pulling up on pulling up on on hits that would be potentially borderline as uh, to to avoid penalties and things like that. Um, really playing cautiously to try and avoid the flags. Did you see that watching? Uh, watching, I home? did. I did see that to a certain extent, especially in the secondary. Um, yeah, the receivers for the Stampeders had probably at least a step further on a lot of coverages than they should have. Mm-hmm. Um, especially a couple of long ones where they got in behind it. The defensive, the DBs need to be a lot closer to them. And mm-hmm. whether they were playing off, hoping for a check down and got caught, or they didn't want to go up. Cause I mean, we had eight penalties for 70 yards, which, you know what, in a, in an average game, that's good. Yeah. But that also leads me to like exactly what you said. They're not being aggressive enough. They're, they're worried too much over flag throwing than making the play. And there was a few times tonight, even watching the offensive line, you know, not have that killer instinct to hit both. He probably could have been touched a few more times than he was, but they mm-hmm. didn't. And I think that is because the O-line, our O-line, has been fairly aggressive all year, but there's been a lot of penalties where you're like, uh, maybe you shouldn't have done that. And then it's hard to say now that, no, no, you should have hit him and taken the penalty. Um, right. But sometimes early in a game, you know, when we talked to, to Brett and Wheel about this, that aggression early in the game can set the tone for the rest of the game. Of course, yeah. If your offensive line, if your defensive line gets three penalties in the first quarter, but they've hit the quarterback three times, that's going to be in the back of the quarterback's mind the rest of the game. Yeah, it sets it sets you up for the the next three quarters, of course. And and yeah, I mean the the way that um, you know Mitchell was playing, I mean you know he's a guy he he was comfortable, he was confident, you know, and 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 if you have a guy coming off of injury. Um, you don't want them to be comfortable, you know, uh, and, and maybe it's worth, maybe it's worth taking an early penalty in order to, as you say, set the tone, send a message and, and, and get him thinking twice, you know, that extra split second of, of hesitation, 
you know, if that builds throughout the game, you know, maybe it turns into something, right? It, it, so, yeah, it, it's, boy, there was a lot to dislike about the ESCs today. Um, we, we're, we're, being, we're being super negative here. What, what stood out as a positive for you? Um, that's a tricky one because there wasn't a lot. Um, Sean White yeah, had two I I, field I, goals. <laughs> I'm asking you because I don't have one. So I'm, I'm yeah, curious um, if you picked up on anything. Sean White was money today. Hit three good field yeah. goals. Um, there were a couple really good plays by some of the receivers. Um, I believe it was in the second quarter. Ricky Collins made a really nice catch. You know, a game where you thought, oh, okay, there's a bit of momentum gain. And then yeah. we hand it off to Gable or do a check down and get caught behind. So it was, I think there was a couple drives where the defense really stepped up, but I think the defense spent way too much time on the field in the first quarter of the game in horrible field position. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of different mentalities of defense. If, you know, you're going out on the field and you're on you know, the opposing team's 30 yard line, as opposed to starting three, three uh, series in a row where you're at the 50 uh, half field or less. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more sense of panic and urgency. So I think they got worn down, but they did. I feel that the defense were holding up quite well overall. I saw a couple of pretty good plays, a couple of good knockdown passes, that kind of stuff, but they needed to get pressure on second and 10 or second and long. They never did. Um, there was, uh, I didn't write down what time this happened, but the defense was holding really well. They had a couple of really good plays on the one series and then we had a two and out and they came back and they had this really good play on the first down. And then they gave up 51 yard pass on the next one. Right. And you're just like, yeah, uh, that's the problem. It's just those things, you know? And, and then it's the same as the, um, at the end of the second quarter, just before the, uh, before halftime. And we got that off, offside call from the defense just before. Mm-hmm. And then they punched in that touchdown. It's like, that was a field goal. There's yeah. no way if that penalty hadn't happened, Calgary would have just kicked the field goal happily and, and went away. But yeah, they took a, an offside, and that offside penalty at the at the goal line or the one yard line is always so frustrating um, mm-hmm. because if you watch that same play on the forty yard line and the players are lined up, often the same they're in the exact same position and they won't call it. But because that right. yellow line's there, they've got something that they can really make sure they've got. They've got a reference point. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah. you often you often see those ones get called. So it's like, oh, that's so frustrating. Um, but that was unacceptable. Like those are the penalties that seem to be killing us more than anything. Like, yeah, hit Bo Levi, get about fifteen yards because it was a late hit or a questionable hit. Okay, great. That's fifteen yards at the forty yard line. You can recover from that. You're not recovering from an offside that gives the team. You know, first and goal at the one yard line. You just never no, recover from that. So. No, that that was a that was a backbreaker at, at that time and that point in the game. Um, one of one of the things that we heard uh, from our, our guest Brett, um, which I thought was really interesting um, a couple weeks ago, was the idea that the CFL is a momentum based league, and it's true. I mean, I mean, all all pro sports are to some extent. Um, it's why the state St. Louis blues won the Stanley cup. Um, but specifically in the CFL, right. And, and even in the short time that we've been doing this podcast, you know, we've, we've gone from feeling positive about the asks to where we are right now. 
And we still got a lot of season left to go. There's still a lot of road on this highway. Where do we feel the Esks are, are, are going to land at this point? Post Labor Day, we've got the rematch coming up on Saturday. Um, we're we're six and five on the year, so we're still above 500. But you look at everything else happening in that West Division. Um, you know, my sense is that this is a fourth place team in the West. Uh, but maybe that's me being unnecessarily negative based on the fact that I just sat through three hours of bad football. So, so talk me out of it, Jack. Why, why aren't the asks a fourth place team? Uh, cheer me up. Make, make me feel better about this. I, unfortunately, I think they are a fourth place team right now. Okay. That's the way the teams, the way the teams are, the rest of the West is playing. We knew the West was going to be tight this year. We knew the West was going to be good. The fact that BC is one and nine is the only reason that, the, the, the top four teams in the West are there's going to be a crossover is, is that BC's done so poorly that they're not even part of the conversation. They cannot physically win enough football in the rest of the year to, to matter. It's statistically not possible, even though they got a new offensive or defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. But it, the problem Edmonton's got is they're zero and five against any team that has a winning record. Yeah. And when you look at the rest of the season, I mean, next week, like you said, Calgary's in town next week. Well, that's a team above 500. And then we have Hamilton in town, a team above 500. Then we're like, oh, okay, Red Blacks. Or not, uh, Ottawa's in town. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's a potential that we can win because Ottawa's really not playing well. But then we're into Hamilton again. And they're like, oh, BC, great. And then it's Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. Like we round out our season two games back-to-back, you know, home and away at Saskatchewan. Those, I mean, if, if we go on the fact that we can't be a team that has a winning record, there's only two games in there to win out of the next seven. Right. Or eight, sorry. Out of the next eight games, there, there's two that, if you look at the go, okay, based on what's happened now, there's two games there that we should win. Now, theoretically, we should be able to pull off more than that, but I think that only keeps us in fourth. Um, I'd have to really go look to see what the rest of the teams have for schedule because I, I couldn't tell you for sure. But... Calgary's got Bo Levi back, so they're going to climb up. Saskatchewan's, Saskatchewan's, let's be honest, is getting lucky winning some of these games. Yeah. The game I went to in Regina, yeah. Uh, the game I went to in Regina against Hamilton, there was no, Saskatchewan had no, there was no reason for them to win that game. Um, they pull off that exciting, you know, last second kick against Winnipeg, but that's Winnipeg without Nichols, and that's a, a, yeah. a team without Harris. And they won by one point. And you're like, should you have won that? Like, if Harris was playing, would you have won? Probably not. If Nichols was playing, would you have won? Not the way you were playing. So Saskatchewan's kind of that, they're kind of that, uh, that wolf, and they're kind of a sheep in wolf's clothing right now, I think. I don't yeah. think they've got the ability six, to keep going. Six straight wins, but, though. I mean, I, I think that even if they're winning games in a way that is sort of, unexpected or tight or you know they're 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 beating up on backup quarterbacks or things like that i think there's something psychologically about being on a six game winning streak no matter how it happens or or whether it's it's as earned as it looks on paper um you get a little bit of swagger you know when when something like that happens right you get a little bit of confidence you you you're charging up the standings i mean they're 
they're in first place if they beat Winnipeg in the Banjo Bowl, right? So, um, and, and and who would have seen that coming, you know, even a month ago, right? So, even if, I mean, confidence is such a big thing. It's a momentum-based league. You know, even though they're winning games in, in that kind of weird, um, you know, squeaking it out fashion, um, part of me doesn't discount that and and I'm, I'm thinking that this is still a dangerous football team you know no and they aren't and if, you know the, the quarterback's doing quite well uh Cody Fajardo's he's he's playing well um and you're right the momentum in the CFL we've seen this happen before and I think that's kind of like as you mentioned all sports momentum can sure make a difference in how a season either goes down the tubes or you do something like St. Louis did in the NHL last year and go from last to winning the Stanley Cup. But it is definitely something you see, seem to see in football, whether it's CFL or NFL. You can have a, a mediocre team win a couple team games that maybe they shouldn't have, and it changes their approach. Yeah. And Saskatchewan's a prime example of that because they, don't, they didn't have a very good start to the season at all. And now all of a sudden they're 7-3, and three, and like you said, if they beat Winnipeg in the Banjo Bowl, they're they're in first. They're also the reason I say they're kind of a sheep in wolf's clothing is there is some deficiencies there that eventually momentum could catch up to. Whether it mm-hmm. does or not is another story. And it's the same as when we talk in the East. I think Montreal is the dark horse in the entire CFL right now. I I agree with that one hundred percent. That Montreal team, if they keep doing what they're doing, they're going to be. They're going to be a handful for, and this is when you bring up the fourth place team for Edmonton. I don't want to be the crossover team that has to go into Montreal. Um, not the way Montreal's been playing. They're they're yeah. they're turning into a very solid team, and that's you know there's a dark horse. Hamilton's winning despite the injuries, which is another one that could catch up to. I mean they're nine and two, and they, today they the first half it, they did not do well. They had the two ejections that should probably well the two ejections were legit against the Ticats. Unfortunately, Wilder from Toronto should have been thrown out as well. It was not for some reason, mm-hmm. or even though he dragged somebody out of the scrum by his helmet, by his face mask. Um, he was left in to play the rest of the game, and he had a pretty damn good game. So that game, but Hamilton came out in the second half and played football and just kind of walked all over Toronto. So that's yeah. kind of neither here there by the end of the result. So yeah, the, the West is definitely the stronger division. The East has Hamilton, and so when you look at what the other teams are doing and what's, how many games are left, it's going to be tight. So is Edmonton going to be able to keep on pace with Calgary, who, who both teams are six, like Calgary six and four, Edmonton six and five. Edmonton's played one more game than Calgary, too. Is Calgary and Edmonton going to be able to keep pace on Calgary? I doubt it now that Bo's back. Um, I get most teams in the league are going to have a time, have tough time pacing Calgary. I think now that Levi's back, um, they're not going to. It's going to have a hard time catching up to Saskatchewan because, like you said, if they beat another, you know, a depleted Winnipeg team on Friday, they're in first. That's two games up on them. So mm-hmm. I have a hard time seeing them jumping anything. Um, is it possible? Absolutely. It's a CFL. Like we all know, the CFL. Right. The last two minutes of the game are the most important parts of the game. And every like three game block during the season can change the standings drastically, um, especially with how close things are. And it is still wide open. 
maybe Edmonton figures the things out and they go on a four game winning streak and Saskatchewan goes on, goes one and three or two and three. And now we're talking about a flip. Um, but if Edmonton's going to continue to play football the way they did this week and last week, they're a fourth place team in the West. Yeah. So what are we, what are we thinking about uh, the rematch? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a quick turnaround, obviously for both teams. Um, how do you feel about the Esk's chances on uh, on Saturday? I think it's going to really depend on how how they respond to this game, and this is this goes back to the whole psychological, like the psychology of sports. If they're angry after today's game, and they practice angry, and then they save that aggression, and when Calgary shows up on. Commonwealth field and they go out and they're out there to like lay a lick in on them. I think Edmonton's got a chance because they still have a very good defense and you brought it up perfectly. Like they just weren't showing the aggressiveness that they usually do. Mm-hmm. Whether that was just being tentative because they didn't want penalties, whether it was being tentative because they were worried because Bo Levi Mitchell was back. I mean, that, that could even be part of it. They didn't yeah. want to give up the big play. So they played off, but unfortunately they played off too far. I think the Edmonton Eskimos could, could, and you know, I'm using air quotes and trying to, you know, really enunciate could potentially take the rematch. We've seen it before. Mm-hmm. We've seen Edmonton take the rematch. That one's not the record's not as bad there as it is um, with the Labor Day Classic, which I think the Labor Day Classic is now tied. You know, it like, is, yeah. In, in, in the history, it's tied now, right? Twenty-nine. So that tells you how good Edmonton was doing. Yeah. That's right, there was a tie. Um, That shows how good Edmonton was uh, on Labor Day for a number of years, too. It it took Calgary winning eight in a row to to tie up that lifelong, you know, the history of the the Labor Day. Mm -hmm. Um, My memory serves me that we do a lot better in the rematch than we ever have in the the Labor Day game itself. So, yeah, I think if, if, and, and this comes back to that same conversation with the coaching staff, if the coaching staff can make the adjustments and the players can take that to heart and then come out with a chip on their shoulder and play me like they have, we've seen them do a number of times this year. I, I think there is a legitimate chance that the Eskimos could, could do it. Um, you know, with, with Bo being out as long as they did, the game film for this year they had was all of Arbuckle. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have any game film with, with Bo in there this year. Well, they did earlier in the season. So when Bo came back, I'm sure the offense changed to a certain degree. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's go back, study the tapes and figure out where, where the Stampeders were making their adjustments because Bo was back in the game. So yeah. I think it's a, it, it's a combination of things that kind of have to come together for Edmonton to win it. But I think it is a, it's an absolute, it is a possibility. I mean, we're not talking the Eskimos like the BC or the Toronto. We're talking mm-hmm. about Edmonton as they're not the high end team we thought they were, but I think they still have the ability to pull off a game like that, but the pieces have to fall together. Yeah. Well, you know, it's going to be really interesting to, uh, to see if that, uh, if that does happen, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for, for a good loud crowd at Commonwealth on, uh, uh, on Saturday for the rematch. Um, you know, the, the, the stamps got 32,000 in there at McMahon today, which was great. Um, as I said, weather was, weather was fantastic. The crowd was loud on both sides. The, uh, the small, the small, but mighty, uh, Edmonton contingent was, uh, 
was loud and rowdy as well as much as they could be given the the circumstances so yeah it'll be it'll be a fun one to watch on the weekend and uh once uh once that game wraps up given uh all of the potential possibilities either uh you know maybe maybe you're right maybe they do come back and and uh and sort of uh, split the uh, labor day in the rematch or you know god if we get another game like we saw this afternoon i mean then maybe we're writing the epitaph for this team in uh early september um i hope that's not the case but um yeah who knows what kind of s performance we're going to see on the weekend yeah it'll be interesting to see um it's it'll all depend on how they rebound and hopefully they do well it'd be nice to have them get a few more wins and make a push you know maybe they get that home playoff spot you never know um you know, they make the changes and they do what what they think they need to make adjustments. That's great because honestly, if they have another game like that against Calgary, maybe we are talking about who's taking over at coaching positions, which is something you don't see a whole lot in the CFL midseason or football as a rule because it's not like there's a yeah. bunch of coaches floating around out there. I mean, La Police floating around for a few years doing commentary. That was the last time I can think of where you had a, you know, a good grade coach whether it's the uh, it was defensive line or defensive coordinator before his head coach, mm-hmm. where you had someone of that caliber there. Yeah. Um, there's no one really out there like that right now. So to see well, that change. The, the staff salary cap too kind of prevents you or, or makes it very difficult to make any sort of really significant move, um, you know, mid-season. Um, but I do think that at this point in, you know, maybe if we're not looking mid season, but if we're looking towards the off season, um, I mean, the next few weeks, Jason Moss is coaching for his job. Um, if, if, if it's a fourth place team and a crossover and like a loss in Montreal, let's say, um, I don't, I would be, I would be surprised to see. Moss keep his job. I really would. Um, oh, I agree, hundred um, percent. I know the organization gave him a massive vote of confidence after last season, but you know, Brock Sunderland went out and he made some changes. He made some good changes of what he could, especially losing Riley. And mm-hmm. the coaching staff hasn't seemed to make the adjustments needed to make that staff work. And you know, I, I saw some comments today that oh, it's all. It's all Brock's fault. I, mean, I don't know. Brock made some pretty good moves with what he had in the off season, and um, you know, I know he's made some poor ones in the past. But he, he, this off season, this year, he did, in my mind, he did quite well to, you know, to to restock the shelves for the Eskimos. So, if the coaching staff's not able to adapt to what's there, then yeah, I can't. I have a hard time seeing Moss being back. You know, if we don't have a winning record this year, or at least a five hundred this year, then I've got a hard time thinking that he would be back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only thing that would save him is if you do the crossover and you, they run over Montreal and, you know, maybe lose a really tight one to Hamilton. He'd be like, okay, okay, you know what? That makes sense. But, you know, we're 6-5 and five right now. One more game and we're at 500. It's, uh, it's a slippery slope to, to end up with, you know, finishing at, you know, 8-11 and 11 or, you know, 
you know, in that that range, it doesn't it doesn't take much in the CFL, and it's exactly how you said it. It's a momentum league, and we've seen it where teams get on a hot streak and win, but six in a row up. But then we see the other side where they they, they go down four games or five games before they they're able to make a recovery. And we don't have yeah. anyone within the organization that can step down onto that field to help out. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's going to be the narrative around this team, even regardless of what happens on Saturday. I think that that's going to be the sort of story to watch. Is is uh, you have a coach and a coaching staff that I don't know if the organization can really stomach another um, mediocre season. You know, I um, quite honestly uh, surviving a great cup hosting year with the results that they had last year um, and, and getting that vote of confidence, as you said, um, is, is a little surprising um, or was a little surprising, but I, I have to think that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a thin tightrope for, uh, for Moss to walk right now. And if you get more games like we saw today, um, I think it makes the decisions of the organization easier when it comes to evaluation at the end of the season. So, no, I agree. And his, his overall record, um, after last year, after 2018, uh, he was a 31 and 23 record, uh, which is good, but I can't find it, but there is another stack that showed in his career as a head coach, he's 10 and 19 against teams that are equal to or better than the team he's coaching. Right, and that's what worries me in the long run is if you can't beat the teams that are your equals or your betters, at least you know maybe not every game, obviously, that becomes a problem because in the CFL, as we know, being such a small league, you're going to be running into someone as good or better than you regularly. Mm-hmm. So if you're not able to win you know, 75 or 80% of those games, you're never going to be the team that's on the opposite side of that, which means you're not going to be the team that's going to be in first. You're not going to be the team that's got home field advantage in the playoffs. And you're not going to be the team pushing for a great cup. You're going to be the team that's either playing as the visitor in the West or playing the crossover. And in Edmonton, that's probably not acceptable for a long term. And I no. think that's part of the, the attendance woes that you're seeing in Edmonton, regardless of what we've talked about, the ticket pricing and everything else, it's, we're not winning. No, the, uh, the, the, the dominant Edmonton Eskimos of, of days gone by just don't exist and haven't existed for a while. And uh, Oh, here, yeah, here it is. If the score holds today, Eskimos will be 10 and 19 versus teams above 500 under Jason Moss. It will become 17 that's, versus 19 versus West Division opponents. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's ugly. Yeah, you're just not going to, you're not going to be the dominant team. You're not going to be the, the first place team. You're not going to be the team that people are scared of if you can't beat the teams within your own division. And we've seen that in Edmonton for the last two years where they go into the East and do very well, but then they come back into the West and they lose. And right. that's not sustainable. So, no. Nope. I don't know where we go from here other than a game next week and we hope for a better result, at least a better performance. I'd be happy with a better performance. Yeah, yeah I, I, was, I was hoping to, to not be uh, 
too much of a downer after sitting through that crappy football game, but I, I guess, well, looking at back at the last 45 minutes of conversation, it sounds like I was unsuccessful in that, uh, in that uh, quest. So, yeah, it's, it's a bummer. It sucks. It's Labor Day in Calgary, which, you know, it feels like this is the way it always is. Um, but, you know, maybe we get a good result on Saturday and we can sort of think a little more positively about the team because, uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot to like today, I'll tell you that. No, there wasn't. So I guess before we get dragged down even further down the spiral of despair here, we'll should wrap it up for tonight. Um, so it was a great weekend like of football. The, we're sounding like the I would lo- YYC podcast. We are. We are. And that's what we, 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 we swore. We, that's what we weren't going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we could talk about the other games. We'll have a, hopefully next weekend we can all get together and we can go over a little bit more of the Labor Day with all the rematches being played. We can Absolutely. get into why there's three teams on a bye on Labor Day. Um, yeah, that was a little bizarre, other... wasn't it? That was, uh... Yeah, and I just boggles my mind. It's just weird CFL things. It's like all oh, these three teams on, like, what is, you know, other than the Grey Cup is the biggest weekend of football um, yeah. in the CFL. And it's the, one, it's the one weekend of the year where you're going to have the, potentially have the most eyes on your sport with, with everything that's going on, everything else that's going on in the world of sports in North America. Yeah. This is your best well, it's, chance. It's, it's, it's the de facto sort of start of the season, right? So, um, yeah, really odd scheduling decision. And I know they've sort of stretched out the schedule and things like that. But, I mean, you'd think that would be a priority for them, but I guess not. So, Yeah, I guess I guess we look at it differently. We'll see what happens when the next team comes in. Maybe that offers a bit more change for that. But mm-hmm. So... I guess on that note, it was a good weekend of football. Unfortunately, our team sucked, which is a recurring <laughs> theme for Labor Day. I mean, there's no other That's way true. to put it. Um, we've got the rematch coming up next Saturday, which will be awesome, um, which is always a good time. I remember when I was going to school, it's when we used to get free tickets. As, as, as yeah, get the children. vouchers. Yeah. And then I also noticed that the, the CF, or sorry, the Eskimos released that it'll be another one of those games where uh, kids under 17 get in for free for the next weekend. So, so based on that, we hopefully have a, a big crowd for that game. That would be amazing to see. I love watching Commonwealth when it's full of people. Um, yeah. What else do we have coming up next weekend? Cause I just, you know, clicked on the wrong button. So I lost my schedule and my brain doesn't work as well as people that like Danny Austin when he just rattles everybody's <laughs> schedule off the top of his head. Um, next weekend, yeah, so we're going to have BC at Montreal. We're going to have Toronto at Ottawa. We're going to have Saskatchewan at Winnipeg for the rematch. And we're going to have Calgary at Edmonton for the rematch. So that's going to be really interesting because that's the triple header weekend as well. So there's the game Friday night and then 11, 2, and 5. We've got those three games played back to back. So Oh, that'll be that's, fun. Uh, that's a great day of football if you've got nothing better to do with your life. So um, <laughs> so on that note, we're going to hope for a better game for the rematch. Um, we're going to see what happens, how it shakes out next week, because there's a few games in there that, like you said, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg could start to you know, shape how the West is going to look, especially with Calgary being on a bye next week. Um, BC, maybe they get lucky and beat a team. Uh, same with Toronto. Toronto-Ottawa, that could be a pretty good game. So on that, Dave, thanks so much for being on the show. 
Yeah, thanks, we Jack, as always. Catch up next week sometime to do another show and see how these games play out. Manny, thank you so much for listening to us endlessly. I uh, still don't know how you do it, but we love you for it. <laughs> so thanks, on Manny, that, as always. Uh, Dave, have a great week. Manny, you have you a great too. week. Everyone listening, thanks so much. You can catch us on Twitter at SXYYC. You can get us on Facebook at Facebook slash SXYYC. Uh, uh, my handle is Big Man, at Big Man Try with an I on Twitter. Dave, do you want to throw your... Yeah, underscore or Dave underscore Waddell on Twitter is, uh, is the place to find me as well. So, yeah. So if you be, have a uh, listen... We'll... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just said, yeah, we'll be, we'll be watching those games and we'll be uh, hopefully getting together uh, uh, soonish uh, to uh, sort of dissect the, uh, the next sort of crop of games and, and see what we have with this Eskimos team because, yeah, this, we're, we're, at, we're at the pivot point of the season and this thing could go, uh, this thing could go one or two ways. So. Yeah, no, that's, that is, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out next weekend. So everyone who's listening, by all means, reach out to us. If you've got comments, questions, we did great, we did horrible, whatever it is, we'd love to have a conversation with you on Twitter. And until the next time, this is the S2YYC. Thanks very much. So much, guys.